Today, we are continuing in our look at this blueprint for life, how to build our life uh, from the words of Jesus himself as he gives a summary of the whole word of God. And these bring into uh, uh, play all the core teachings that God has, has revealed through his word, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. And Jesus just brings them down to, to, to some core principles. Uh, we looked at, first of all, that as we build our life, and the whole point of building our life on this blueprint is that this is the blueprint for the most magnificent uh, uh, life that you can have. Not one that just ends in this life, but that goes beyond in your life. Your life goes beyond just this world. Um, and, and so what we are building now is not just what we experience now, but we've got to look beyond uh, into what God has for us for eternity. Uh, and, and what we build now uh, is going to uh, precede us into that. So the first thing we looked at is that we must build on humility. We've got to humble ourselves before. We need to humble ourselves and recognize that, first of all, in building this, it is not about me building my life. It is humbling myself, letting God be glorified in my life, that, that I humble myself before God, and in doing so, I humble myself before my own eyes, and I humble myself before others. Uh, then he talked about, as we build our life, that we take on the flavor of God in everything that we do. To remember that what we are building is not for our benefit, but that it is for the glory of God. <clears throat> and that flavor of God, that saltiness, that light, he calls us, that we are salt, we are light, um, that flavor is the passion for God. That as we have a passion for God, um, uh, he is able to reflect through us. And he um, is able uh, to preserve the world, to, to give it meaning, uh, to give it light uh, through us um, as we continue uh, to, to hunger and and devote ourselves to him. And then the third thing we looked at last week is that it is built on righteousness. Um, God wants a house that is built right. He doesn't want a house that is filled with uh, faulty material. We have to get rid of some things in our life that that what it is sin. Um, we cannot follow God and still live in sin. Uh, and, and so he talks about righteousness at a different level. And he, he made this statement that our righteousness has to be even better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are the super religious people who did every single thing in the law. But Jesus pointed out that being righteous is not about following rules, but it is having a heart that is righteous, a heart uh, that does not break the rules, even though we may filter our behavior uh, to follow the rules, and yet we miss it in our heart. Now, we talked about that, that as we build on that righteousness, that righteousness does not come from our own efforts. No matter how much you try, you cannot make yourself righteous because our heart naturally is selfish. Our heart naturally judges and criticizes people. And so, therefore, this is what Jesus said. This is the awesome statement. I have come to fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled what we cannot do. So we build our life in righteousness by taking the heart of Christ. 
by yielding ourselves and saying, God, give me a new heart. You lead me in my life. That everything I do, I want to trust in you. That means I need to spend time. If I'm going to trust in him for him to give me a new heart, then I've got to constantly be trusting him. And and when that old heart picks up its head, then I need to recognize that, repent, and say, God, forgive me, work on this area. And I'm, it's, a, it's a constant hunger for righteousness. Jesus said, all you have to do is hunger for righteousness. I will give you a new heart. And as God gives us that new heart, we are able— to begin uh, to be not just good people that follow the rules, but have a true renewed heart um, that not only follows the rules, but hungers for the spirit behind the rule, which is the very character of God. And and so we're going to pick up from there um, today in verse 38 of chapter 5. And he's continuing to talk about righteousness, but now Jesus is not going to talk about um, the things that you need to do or things that we don't do that we need to fix. You know, uh, uh, stealing, lying, those are all the things that we shouldn't do. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is the righteousness of getting rid of the things that we shouldn't do. He turns And he says the law is also about what you should do. Um, And and so this is focused on one principle. And we all know this, that this is what Jesus is known for. This is probably the the main thing that he is known for as, as far as his teaching, that we are to love our enemies. We are to love our enemies. And as we begin to love It's not about what we don't do. It's about what we strive to do, what we begin to practice doing. And that is loving is an action that we begin to take. Um, But as we look at it, let's read through the whole thing, and then we'll come back and break it down like we do. Uh, Starting in verse 38, it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You have heard, um, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father and makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than anyone else? Do not even the tax collectors do this? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
we're going to break down some of those phrases because some of those statements can seem awfully strange and hard. But I just want to point out something. I love this. Uh, he says, why do you love those that only that love you? You see, even the tax collectors do this. And, and you know, why do you just greet your brethren? You see, even the tax collectors, a little thing is who's writing this. Remember, we are in the book of Matthew. And if you remember, Matthew uh, or Levi uh, was the tax collector that Jesus saved. So he is saying, here, here's what Matthew is saying. I know what it's like. I was the worst of the worst, and even I used to do that. And, and so he is saying, even the tax collectors did that. We are called to something better, um, and that is this love. So the idea is that we are called to not just be righteous uh, in, in the sense that we do what's right, but that we begin to now put into practice a a next step of righteousness, which is love. Um, love is the goal. And you notice that he said uh, we, we love so that we may become sons of our father. Now, he's not saying that, that if we will just love people, that that'll, that will give us the ability to become sons of God. Um, and, and that just becomes one more rule to follow. That's not what Jesus is saying. Love is not a rule to follow. Love is something that reveals who you are. In other words, as you love, it shows yourself to be a son of God. Um, when you love, this proves that you are a son of God, that you are a daughter of God, that you have been uh, redeemed. You've been brought into the family because uh, this is what this family does. If we're going to be part of this family, this is who we are. Um, and, and if you can't love, then you are not part of the family of God. And so this love uh, reflects who we are to others. It reflects who we are to ourselves, um, uh, And it reflects who we are to God, that God, I, I gratefully embrace this role that you gave and given me as a son uh, and a daughter of yours. And so therefore I'm going to do this to honor you. And, and so therefore this, this love reflects what God has put within us. And so we need to begin to work to let that grow within us. Now, the first part um, in, in verses 38 to 42, these are um, things that seem very hard to do. And it seems like a very humiliating thing. It seems like it would be he's talking about uh, humiliating yourself, being a doormat. Letting people walk all over you. That's not what he's talking about. And so we've got to go into the culture of what is going on here. Because see, many times we don't realize what Jesus is saying. In these uh, five verses, he is saying, you need, if we are called to love, why don't we do that? Why don't we love? There are things in our life that block love. There are things that get in the way of us loving. And so, therefore, we need to address those things. Um, and I'll tell you what it is. It's something that we as Americans definitely need to address. It is um, these things that we focus on as things we think we have a right to. Okay? See, you cannot love if you are 
holding on to your own rights. If I have, see, that's the, that's the very anti uh, uh, position of love that, that, that I will love you, but I will never lose myself. Then you cannot love. Then you're loving yourself. You're only doing what will please you. Um, so let's look at these things. The first thing he says um, is if someone slaps you on the right cheek, I tell you to turn the other to him also. He is not saying that you cannot defend yourself. He is not saying that, man, if someone just beats you down, if there's a bully at school, you're just supposed to just go, okay, I'm, I guess so, whatever. That's not what he's saying. First of all, he says if someone slaps you, he does not say if someone attacks you or beats you because there is definitely the right of defense. Um, uh, God never uh, makes his people um, a, a beating post. Um, he has always uh, given them the right to stand up against evil and to defend themselves. But this is he's he's talking about a very specific um, uh, situation. He says if someone slaps you on the right cheek. So if someone slaps you on the right cheek, um, that means that they either used their left hand, okay, on your right cheek, um, or the back of their right hand. Now here's the thing: if they you, if they slap you with their left hand in this culture, the left hand, you don't even touch someone with the left hand. It, it is shameful. It is it is uh, considered uh, dirty. It, it is not worthy. Um, and, and so if someone was to slap you with the left hand, it is an act not of aggression, but it is an act of shame. What they are doing is they are shaming you. And if they hit you with the back of the hand, this is what you do to, you know, like like dogs or 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 inferiors. So what he is saying is when people come and dishonor you. See, this is what Jesus is focusing on. When they dishonor you, you remember that your honor does not come from them. So therefore, you can turn the other cheek. And turning the other cheek is actually saying, you know what? If you have something to say, why don't you treat me like a real man and, and hit me on the left side? And, and so you can find your honor while you love them because your honor does not come from them. And, and so therefore, this is what he's saying. You can turn the other cheek because – they are not the source of your honor, of your identity. And yet many times we have feel like I have the – but how dare they do that? I have the right to my honor. This is what Jesus is saying. You've got to deal with this right of, of self-image. It's not about what people think about you. If you are worried about what people think about you, you will never be able to love the way you need to love. If you're more worried about your honor and and, and – your feeling about yourself and how dare you put me down, then how can you love them? You need to understand that I'm the one that honors you. I, your father, love you. And you have so much honor from God that even if others put you down and seem to shame you, that doesn't phase you because I can love you in that because my honor comes from God. You see, it gives a totally different view of this when he's talking about this. Um, that, that he is saying we need to deal with this, this idea that I have the right to my honor. When we begin to realize where our honor and where our identity comes from, then we can truly love others. We can turn the other cheek and, and, and begin uh, to not be hurt 
See, many times we get so hurt by what people say, but by what people do. But why do we get so hurt? Because we have we have held on to this right of honor somehow for us. We need to let go of that because we are loved by our Father. So the second thing, so let go of your right to honor. Here's the second thing he says. He says, someone wants to take away your tunic, give them your cloak also. Um, now, what does this mean? Now, your, your tunic was basically the robe that you wore um, all the time, and, and um, uh, it's almost like your undergarment a lot of times. Uh, it's the basic uh, uh, dress that they wore. And if someone was to sue for your tunic, in other words, this could be uh, for whatever reason, if, if they felt that they had been wronged and, and so they felt that they deserved something from you, um, if, uh, even if maybe they were uh, with, without and, and they were coming against us um, uh, to take something from us, or maybe uh, it was just a matter of being manipulated, okay? Certain people have power and um, uh, it was a, an, a matter of oppression happened in that day and age, especially under the Romans. The Jews were oppressed and, and a Roman could, could take them to court to take, hey, you know, hey, I think I want that, you know, uh, set of clothes. And they could do that. They could be oppressed. But what he is saying is you need to give them not only your tunic, but your cloak also. Now, here's the thing. Why would he say that? Give them your cloak. The cloak was the outer garment. Um, it was a heavier garment, and many times it was even used as their blankets at night. Um, uh, this was mostly a, a poor audience that Jesus was talking to. Many of them, that's all they had. And, and so in the, in the law, the law was that you could take someone's clothes, but the one thing that you could not take was their cloak. Of all the things, this is a, a crazy, but this was the law. You cannot take their cloak. And if you did take their cloak, even for um, collateral for something, you had to give it back to them before the sun went down uh, so that they could have it overnight as their blanket. So in other words, the cloak represented my inalienable right. This is something that I have a right to no matter what. The law, you can't take this from me. This is something that I have Without question. So what is you when Jesus said, hey, when they want this, give them your cloak also. Hey, wait a second. I'll give them anything else. But Jesus is saying, this is what's getting in the middle of your ability to love because you are holding on to those things. I'll do whatever, but this is mine. These things that we have a right to what's mine. I'm telling you, it's a very subtle thing. And it has to do with how we serve God. You know what? We'll serve God right up to the point where, but well, but I don't need to go there, God, because that's mine. That's my time. That's my uh, uh, money. The, I have a right to that. Oh, we say that all the time. But I have a right to that. What Jesus is saying when he says this, if you're going to truly love like the son of God, you have got to let go of what you think are your rights. Because here's the thing. God is the one who takes care of you. You don't have to hold on to rights 
because you have a father who will look out for you. See, the whole point of rights is that, that they, they protect me, right? And so I hold on to my rights because that's what, what keeps me safe and my security. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid to be insecure, to be vulnerable. Because here's the other thing. If you gave them your cloak after they took your tunic, uh, there ain't nothing left. So it's saying, Jesus is saying, you're now naked. Um, but yet it is better to go naked and love than to hold on to what is mine. Because here's the thing. When you are insecure, when you are vulnerable, when you are naked, God's the one that will cover you. God is the one that will He will give you a covering. He will be with you. You don't have to hold to your rights, especially now. He's not saying that you have no rights, that you never get to do anything, but he's saying when it comes to love, this is a barrier to love, that it is greater to love than to establish your rights. And that is why many times we do not love the way we should because we're not trusting God for our rights. Here's the third thing. He says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Here's another barrier, a barrier to love. We know that the Roman soldiers could at any time make them carry their load, but they could only make them go a mile. Um, but Jesus is saying, don't just go a mile, go two miles. In other words, enter into inconvenience. Don't hold to this right to convenience. See, because they can do it anytime. Carry myself. Hey, wait, I got an appointment right now. Well, you only have to go a mile. Okay, I'll go a mile, and then I'm, I'm out. Jesus says, no, give up your right to convenience. To when it works out good for you, when the right time is for you. You know, we always say, okay, I'll do it when I can do this. And I'll do it when this happens. You need to stop putting convenience and your schedule and your time. And when I have enough money and when I have this. It says, if you're going to truly love, love your enemies, even love God. You have got to give up your right to convenience. And this is a big thing in our life. You know, this is why we don't like our government telling us what to do and, 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 and how to do this because that's my convenience. It's my rights. And yet, how can we love others and, and be a light to those around us? And we don't even give up our time to go an extra mile, um, to go farther than what we did. We have got to give up the right to convenience to truly love. And here's the last one. Um, he says, give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And this one's pretty, pretty simple. We've got to understand that everything you have is not yours. So we've got to stop this, this grasping to, of possessions. We need to begin, if we're going to love, we need to be generous. We've got to develop a heart that does not hold to the right of my possessions, whether it is money or whether it is things. He is simply saying, be generous. How can you say you love and you are not generous? Generosity is the very heart of God. 
God so loved the world that he gave, gave. And yet, do are we givers? Everything about us, if we're going to have the flavor of God, the very reflection of God in our life, it should be Michael so loved that he gave. You know, Donnie so loved that he gave. We gave. Giving is the reflection of love. And so the barrier to that is this feeling of holding on to things. And again, you notice in all of these things, it all comes from a not understanding who God is, that he loves you. He owns everything. So what are you holding it on to? He'll give you what, what you need to have. And it's not yours anyway. He gave it to you. He gave us the strength to work. You might say, well, I worked for it. Well, you would have never worked if God had taken his hand off of you. Believe me, God in a second can take away the ability to work and earn that money. Everything we have is God's. So we need to become generous people. And as we let go of this right of possessions, it allows us, you will not allow, understand the freedom that comes when we begin to break down these barriers. When we break down the barrier of, of my honor, because I'm not worried about my honor. I'm not worried about what it looks like or, or what people think. When I break down the barrier of my rights, when I'm not worried about my rights or, or getting what I need, when I break down the barrier of convenience, my comfort zone, the things that I like, when I break down the barrier of possessions, it gives you freedom to love to love. And this freedom looks like three things. He goes on and says, as you now begin to love, as these barriers are broken down, you can now love your enemies. And what does it look like? First of all, it says this, bless those who curse you. Bless. Now to bless them means to actively talk good about someone. To bless someone was when someone came in and, and they gave a blessing to them. The father would put his son and bless him. You are you. Uh, I see within you a great potential that you are going to be a great businessman and honor upon you. He says, bless your enemies. See, this is why these Christians on Facebook and everyone else that always have something bad about. It. I don't care if you're there are enemies. And let's be honest. Whoever you think on the other political side is your enemy. As soon as you curse them. And make fun of them. And we are breaking the law of God. We are not reflecting. We are not sons of our father. Does that mean we condone it? No, it doesn't mean you condone it. But you do not do it by putting them down, by speaking, by promoting a bad view of them. It says, bless those who curse you. Do we think some of our leaders are cursing us? Let's be honest. Some of you do would say yes. Then bless them. That's an outward blessing. I don't know if I can do that. That means speaking good of them. This is a this is a, a front, and I'll tell you right now why our reaction, I cannot do that. I'll tell you why, because you're holding to one of those four barriers. My rights, my honor, my convenience, my possessions, they're taking that away from me. Then let them take it. Because God is your source, not America. The American government, the American president, the American Congress is not the author of your. So why are we putting them down? Why are we fighting so hard against the way this election went? I'll tell you why, because there's something wrong in your heart. 
you're you're beholden to this existence and this is not our country we are citizens of heaven this will pass away someday this is everything that has happened is in the plan of god and many of us are not accepting that we need to begin to instead of focusing on all the politics begin to love people bless people begin to speak blessing because here's the here's the word of god god says you don't have to be the one who criticizes and curses and gets angry and stands up and has to defend them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. See, have you forgotten that God's in control? You don't have to. God will take care of it. God knows. But here's the problem. As soon as we become the source of I'm going to be the one, then you're going to face judgment too. Did not God use Babylon to punish Israel? But Babylon got punished for it. See, we don't want to be used as the instrument of God to write things in America because then we are going to face that same judgment. Jesus said, with the same judgment you pour out, you will be judged. Even if it's used by God, even though God used Pharaoh, he was an instrument, but he still got judged. I want to be used by God, but I don't want to be judged. So I want to be the instrument of love. So it says, bless those who curse you. I understand that's hard. But we've got to come to grips to what we are really called to be. And then he says, not only blessed, but to do good to those who hate you. Do good. That's acts of kindness. That is actually doing something good for them. Not being the source of, of conflict, but in the middle of conflict, I will choose to do good. I will leave the vengeance and all the other stuff to God. Now you might say, so we can't fight for it. Yes, you can stand for what's right. Here's the example. We can stand for what's right. And we can speak out against evil without demeaning people. We can speak against principles. I, I love this. Martin Luther King was a great example. You notice that, that he did not attack people. He spoke out against against unrighteousness and, and justice, but yet in love and kindness and goodness, not in berating other people uh, or um, and yet still loving them. There's a story that um, uh, he came home one night or evening to find that uh, uh, his house or a portion of his house had been blown up. His first response was to see if everyone was, was okay, and, and as soon as he found out that his family was all right, they put together a group saying, let's go find the people who did this. And yet he specifically said, no, we're not going to do that. And he gathered them together and said, in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to pray right now for them. And they had a worship service right there. And see, that's the heart that, yes, we can stand up for, for injustice. And yet, I'm going to tell you, what drives out the darkness? Light. Well, I'll tell you what drives out hate and injustice. Love. Fighting against it with more violence and with more hate will never drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that means blessing those who curse you. That means loving President Biden. That means even encouraging him and supporting him. Because you know what? He, we are going to love 
and then let God do the rest. And the final thing says pray. Pray for them. So we are to bless them with our lips, with our communication. We are to do good with our actions and with our attitudes. And then we are to pray for them. We are to pray for those who persecute us, who spitefully use us. We will pray for them. And this is not this type of prayer. And I know it's in the Bible, and, and, and it, it is a reflection of true feelings because David said, God, I pray that you just slaughter them. Maybe that's the prayer we think. I'm praying for those that persecute me. God, just rip them a new one. But if you will read those Psalms that, that David uh, uh, expressed those feelings and God understands those feelings and it's okay that we express them to God, but you notice that he always comes back around, but God, you be glorified and be honored in what I do. And it was through the love that it always came back to God's place, not mine. That we are to pray for them, that God would would bless them, that God would draw them, that God would mold them because Jesus died to redeem them as much as us. When we begin to understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, then we can pray for them because you need to understand that you were in the same place, that we did not get our sonship from God because I earned it. I was an enemy of God. You see, here's the thing. God blessed me when I was a curse to him. When we have cursed God through our actions, God blessed us. He spoke good of us when we didn't deserve it. He did good for us. There is kindness of God when we uh, were ones that were his enemies. It is through his kindness that he draws us to repentance. And it was God that prayed for us. Jesus himself prayed for us. God, not only do I pray for these disciples, but for all of those that might believe in me through them. You know who that is? That's us. He prayed for us. Even for those that persecuted him. He prayed for those that killed him. The soldiers that crucified him. We know that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The love and compassion, it's not empty words. We need to begin to develop a true love and compassion for people, even our enemies, because most of the things that they do that hurt us are out of their own hurt. You see, a, a wounded animal strikes out at people. When we are wounded by people, well, that's just a jerk. No, it's not. It's a herded. It's a herded. It is a wounded son of God who doesn't know that God has offered him healing. We need to begin to see people through this lens. And the final thing is it says, we do this to be, notice these, these terms, that we may be sons of our father. And he ends it with this, so that you will be perfect just as your father is perfect. What is he implying? Here's what Jesus is implying. I know you can't do it yourself. This love that I'm talking about is not in you. But here's the thing. You have a father who wants to give you new life. A father is one who gives you that new birth. So he's saying, will you make me your father? Let me birth something in you new that you don't have. Um, uh, if you will be a son of your father, let me be become the author of a love that you don't have. 
And when he says, be perfect as your father, the word perfect there is not perfect like I never make a mistake. The word perfect actually means to complete something. In other words, you have a mission. To complete that mission, you have become perfect. Jesus was perfect in that he completed his mission. We can complete our mission. doesn't mean the perfect in the English sense. Jesus says you can complete this mission of loving the world just as your father did. Jesus, our father. And I know that we get confused. No, Jesus is the son, but Jesus is God. He is our father. So therefore, let's finish our mission. People, let's be perfect like Jesus was perfect. He did it all the way to the end. Let's begin to love all the way to the end. But not in our own strength, but Jesus did it first. God did it first so that we can do it. The only reason you can love is because Jesus has loved you and he'll be there to help you when you don't want to love. When you're like David and saying, God, I'm praying that you just then he's the one that we just say. But Jesus, help me love. Give me your heart. And I'm going to focus on you when you want to do it. Look to Jesus. You remember Jesus on the cross, what he did for you. And then you can love others. And that is a major part of building this life, um, of this blueprint for our life that will bless us. Because in the end, we're the ones that benefit from this. Because God is in control. Let's bow our heads.